I feel like society now is so geared towards never failing, so you never try. And I, I would really love for that to change because there's nothing wrong with failing at something. It just means that you need to do it differently. You know, failure is a beautiful opportunity. It doesn't have to be something that's just an embarrassment. Welcome to The Ziggler Show, where we inspire your true performance. I'm your host, Kevin Miller, and today I bring you a special treat. Chances are you've seen the blockbuster show, America's Got Talent, and if so, you've probably seen Mandy Harvey, the incredible singer who went to the finals, who is deaf. Talk about an overcoming, inspiring story. She was in college pursuing a vocal music education degree, then lost her hearing. She left the program to pursue other career options, but later returned to music. That in itself is a great story you'll hear in this show. Well, fast forward to America's Got Talent, where she reached the finals and was Simon Cowell's golden buzzer winner. Then she was on CNN's Great Big Story. They captured over 10 million hits on social media around Mandy. Burt's Bees then signed her up for their Remarkable Woman campaign. NBC Nightly News profiled her. And since then, she started performing at the world's most prestigious clubs, concert stages, and festivals. Well, now, in addition to the recording career, live performances, inspirational speaking, Mandy has just released her first book titled Sensing the Rhythm, Finding My Voice in a World Without Sound. It's a message of helping others to realize their dreams and pursue their hopes. She's also an ambassador for No Barriers USA. She travels the country to heighten awareness, break down blocks, challenge stereotypes, and lead the charge toward a brighter future for all. So in this show, we talk about her, her story, and her message. You can connect with her at mandyharveymusic.com. Dot com. And you can also, of course, get her new book, Sensing the Rhythm, Finding My Voice in a World Without Sound, or get it wherever you buy books. Well, thanks to this sponsor who is supporting today's show. Okay, friends, here I bring you Mandy Harvey. Mandy, I, I got to tell you, so I have a big family. We don't have a TV at home, but we love great performances. We're a very music-oriented family, and so we saw America's Got Talent. We, watched, we went through a little season of watching that. We saw you on the performance. We were massively inspired by you and your story. So when it was proposed that we have you on the Ziggler show, I said, absolutely, let's make that happen. And I got to tell you, my kids think I'm such a hero because I am interviewing you today. So thank you for being here. <laughs> well, that's that's really funny. I also don't have a TV, so I had never even seen the show before uh, joining it. So I kind of have a similar feeling of, of that one. But you tell your kids hello and, and thank you for cheering me on. For cheering me on. I will. I actually have an older son who's had a long history of medical battles and he is writing great music these days. So as soon as I got the book, I, I took it home. My wife saw it and she told my son, you've got to read it as soon as daddy's done with it. So I am uh, tasked with bringing the book home today after the interview so that uh, he can <laughs> read it. So again, thank you. And I'm so excited. The book is incredibly uh, inspiring. So I want to dig into it. Though I do want to, uh, I saw that you have a personal testimony to Zig Ziglar and especially in the area of goal setting. And I wanted to ask you to share it with our Ziglar listeners. Yeah, of course. My, um, my really good friend, his, 
His name is Carl, and I was sending out messages on, on social media a couple years ago saying that I had so many goals and things that I wanted to do. I just was having a really hard time organizing it, and um, Carl saw it, and he's a, he's a friend of mine, and he's been through the Zig Ziglar program along with my other friend, Cassandra Perkins, and he said, you know what, you know, I've been through this goal-setting seminar, I would love to sit down with you and help you to create a, a plan so that you can execute things and, and get organized so that you can actually get these goals done. And I was like, fantastic. So we sat down and we just started going through all the things that I really wanted to do, all of the different nonprofit organizations that I wanted to be a part of. And through that kind of friendship and, and creating uh, an action plan, uh, we became even closer friends, and now uh, he's actually my business partner. So it's it's just kind of a, a funny roundabout thing, but um, that's definitely the thing that really brought us together to to really accomplish goals was the Zig Ziglar program. That is excellent. So I got to give a call out to your friend, Cassandra Perkins, who's one of the Ziegler Legacy Certified Trainers that we have. She, I met her at the Denver Children's Hospital uh, with my older son. He was there. She came and brought him a, it's a, an organization she's involved with and brought him a keyboard that he still has and uses today. So that was my intro to Cassandra. What an incredible person she is. She is absolutely amazing, and she has her own podcast, and, and she's she's quite brilliant. She's ahead of her time, that's for sure. Well, as you well know, the vast majority of people, when they're faced with a, a challenge, a limitation, and they struggle, they struggle due to it. They don't, they don't thrive, and even more so when that limitation falls directly in line with their primary desire. So you have your love of music and you lose your hearing. When you look back, I'm wondering when you look back at yourself, why did you overcome? Why were you able to rise above that instead of, as so many people are, and we know that instead of being overcome by this, at that point, tragic reality. I think it's a very difficult question because I feel as if for a while I did give up. You know, I, I'm not the kind of person who goes around saying that when adversity came knocking on my door, I, I kept a smile on my face and I never gave up and I never lost hope. I, I very much lost hope and I very much did give up. And the difference is, is that I refused to stay there for the rest of my life. And I think that's a, a really difficult step to take. I described the whole experience for me personally. It felt like I fell down a well and I smashed into the bottom and it's dark down there and I couldn't see any light or any hope or any happiness from any direction, just the ground. And I sat there for a very long time until I got frustrated with the fact that if I sit here, if I, if I never get up, if I never try again, this is my reality for the rest of my life. And I can get up and struggle and fail and get up and struggle and fail. At least the scenery will change and, and something good might happen. And so um, I had a lot of people around me who pushed me to get back up, people who encouraged me to believe in myself even when I had given up. 
and they were cheering me on every step of the way and crying with me every failure. And I, I really do believe that it was a combination of just sheer stubbornness and inability to just have a stagnant lifestyle um, mixed in with my faith, mixed in with my family and my friends who just never gave up on me. I, I love that, that the trying and failing, at least the scenery will change. It's a great line. It, but it reminds me, I, I, I appreciate that, that for a while you did give up. It reminds me of, uh, I don't know if you know a guy, John O'Leary. He wrote the book On Fire. Uh, incre- mm-hmm. Incredibly inspirational guy, tragic event. And you know, he talks about that and says, yeah, when it's first happened, he didn't just right away come into being this inspiring, successful guy. He spent a lot of years being overcome you know, or being in a bad place from that. But then like you did not want to stay in that place. Well, you, you talk about, you know, with this hearing loss and this challenge that you are now better off than you would have been without the hearing loss, but that's not just in regards to, you know, the, the music and the recording uh, contracts and, and then the speaker you are now, but that overall you are a more whole person, which again is not what we would initially think you've had a loss and now you see it as a gain. Explain how you just, again, outside of the things that you're able to do now or that you're doing now that even regard that you still cite the hearing loss now as a gain for you overall. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't even think about the, you know, the, the benefits of it affecting my career or anything like that. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm clearly just, I'm just talking about how it's changed me as a person. It's made me a lot more empathetic. It's made me look at people in an entirely different way. It's, it's made me more aware of limitations, but also how much of those limitations I am setting on myself and you know what is and is not possible is sometimes the difference between what you're afraid of and what you're not and you know once you smack down on the floor hard enough you look around and when you see people who have been through the same pain or have been through similar trauma you have some commonality there that you're just instantly bonded and you you talk to each other on a different level. I I'm a lot more invested in encouraging other people and I'm not crippled by fear of talking to others like I was before. You know, losing my hearing was always my biggest fear and when that happened, I thought that it was going to destroy me and it didn't. And now I I kind of evaluate things differently of what's the worst that can happen. What's the worst that can happen with opening my mouth and singing a song? Some people don't like it. Who cares? You know, that, that's not going to destroy me the way that I thought hearing loss would, and, and it hasn't. So it's, it's really just made me a stronger person. But I appreciate music more. I appreciate people more. I appreciate life more. Just, just going through any kind of loss and continuing to walk forward you can allow the situation to eat you alive, or you can allow it to help you to grow stronger and to grow. So I'm curious in, in regards to something you said. Now, I mean, you do, of course, you have your own journey, but now you speak to so many other people who about this, about your journey, but also in regards to them and their own limitations. Your work with No Barriers with Eric Weinmayer, who we interviewed not long ago, incredible guy. But even there, I'm I'm curious. 
obviously we all have limitations and we all are suffering for greater or worse because of those. Do you, is your experience that sometimes when people have a significant one, like you having hearing loss or Eric losing his sight, that when you have a significant one, it gives you a propensity to take your limitations overall and to some degree be more uh, willing to overcome them than maybe the average person who has just the average limitations, they're more apt to let them limit them. Is that a confusing statement that I'm trying to get out? What my, my I, I think, I think what it is, is that, um, at, at some point you, you realize that you can go farther and, I, I think that everybody's pain is, is equally pain, you know, just because my, um, my hearing, uh, journey has significant value to other people. You know, they're like, well, I've never really dealt with something that severe before, you know, it, it's my pain. So there really isn't a relation to to that, you know, your pain is very real to you. So something simple can sometimes be just as devastating to that person because it's theirs. Um, I, I think the real difference is, you know, you're aligning yourself with people who are showing you that positivity, who are showing you that they can go on, that they can be stronger, and it gives you a, a new perspective of yourself. That's the beauty of No Barriers is... Their their slogan is, what's within you is stronger than what's in your way. It's not saying what's within uh, Bob is stronger than what's going on. It's, it's what's in you. You know, you're the one who holds you back the most. You're the one who's telling yourself that you have to give up. You're the one who's, who's being uh, swallowed by failure and instead of embracing it. I think when you're surrounded by people like Eric or people like me who fall on their face time and time again and keep getting up. Uh, it helps you to evaluate the things that are going on in your life and say, you know what? I've smacked this wall as well. I'm going to get over it too. And, you know, Eric inspires me and he inspires so many other people. You know, he inspired Kyle Maynard, who was born without arms or legs to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. And now he's aiming to do the seven summits, you know, and Kyle inspires other people and those people inspire other people and those people inspire other people. It's a wave effect. So sometimes the smallest thing can be incredibly inspiring. Getting out of bed in the morning and going to work every day. You don't know who is watching and how hard that is to them. That that is inspiring as well. Well, I want to keep talking a minute on these uh, limitations. I mean, we're, you know, the Ziggler show, we're talking personal development. We're all trying to inspire our own true performance. And we all know it's those limitations, the real ones and the perceived ones that hold us back. And you just speak so brilliantly to that. And I like an analogy that you actually wrote about in your book about your grandmama sewing. And from it, you said, uh, the biggest problem we face in trying to stitch together a life is that we're often handed an ugly piece. We don't like never wanted and wish we could get rid of, but we can't. That's such just a bold statement of not Pollyanna. Uh, you know, it, it, it feels like you're saying 
while we might lament that, okay, here's this piece I didn't want. That's my lot in life that we can keep that unwanted place. It's not denying. Well, you even say that you talk about denial. It's not being in denial and it's not even getting rid of it is the essence of no, we can have that thing. And the point is we keep that piece in the stitching and we just do amidst it, even, even outside of leveraging it, we just still do amidst it. I, I, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful thing. I think the ugly pieces, I, I really do feel like the society is telling us these days that everything needs to be picture perfect and the parts that don't fit that mold, you should kind of hide under a rug and, and never let it open into the light of day. But I really feel that's a huge mistake. Um, those broken pieces, the ones with the little burnt edges or the ones that are fraying apart that look horrifying, um, they're the ones that have the ability to shape and mold you into being a stronger person. They're the ones that create situations that you have to, you know, buck up and get past and, and, and grow from. And they are kind of badges of honor in, in certain terms just because they're ugly and, and you're, you're not happy with how things turned out doesn't mean that there can't be so much information and knowledge that came from those experiences. And, and I, I would really love for that to change because there's nothing wrong with failing at something. It just means that you need to do it differently. You know, failure is a beautiful opportunity. It doesn't have to be something that's just an embarrassment. Right. Right. Well, okay. So there you said, you, you mentioned the word try. You actually wrote that and I pulled it out from your book and you said, you can only become what you are willing to try. And I thought, okay, that's a, that's a simple statement. That's not uh that's not rocket science, except for the fact that we so often don't, we have a desire, we have an idea of something we'd like to become, or even just be able to do, but we simply haven't tried. So here, here's a question for you with all your experience in America's got talent and no barriers and being exposed to so many people. What are your thoughts on why are some people, and I know you've seen this, why are some people more prone to try than others? Are they just too ignorant than to know that maybe they can't do something or do they have more confidence or how would you, what, what, what file would you put that in? I, I think it, I think it's a couple of different things for different people. I mean, I, certainly I'm aware of a couple of people who do things just out of blatant arrogance. Um, I'm surrounded by those kinds of people all the time are just like, wow, you are really confident and I'm not sure why. Um, but I think uh, for me, it, it, it depends on who's on your rope team, who you're surrounding yourself with, who... Um, is is filling parts of your life you know when you surround yourself with negativity and you surround yourself with people who don't believe in you and who are very pessimistic or you know are constantly reminding you that you're not as good as other people you know you start to believe them and those voices become very significant but you know if you if you surround yourself by people who are willing to push past those barriers who are willing to grab hold of your hand and and do this journey with you and cheer you on and laugh with you when you fall and you know you 
say, well, that was silly. And, and you get back up and you try it a different way and they, they cheer you back on. Um, I think that that changes the game quite significantly. The, the people that you align yourself with, the media that you watch, the, the movies, the, the music, all these things are you're feeding your soul. The question is, is what are you feeding it? And uh, if, you're, if you're constantly feeding it with telling yourself that you can't, you won't. And it's not just superheroes that do incredible things. Most of the most incredible things are done by the most ordinary people. And it's because they had the gumption and the encouragement to try for the 900th time when all of the times, 899 times before, it failed and everybody started laughing at them. But on the 900th time, they did it. Thanks to this great sponsor for supporting today's show. Okay, so I've uh, out of the out of all this this short. I think we've been talking for about fifteen minutes, and and I hear this consistent message from you already: the willingness to try, and obviously from that, the the willingness to fail. Number one, number two, you attest over and over to. I'm I'm going to put it under community, uh, the people in your life who are there to encourage you, support you, pick you back up, and then this last piece what you feed your mind, which obviously is the consummate Ziggler esque message of you can, you can change your, your world, what you have and uh, what you do by changing what comes into your mind. Uh, and that's a, that's, I mean, that's such an essence of your book, but I hear that again, in this short message, you come over to that over and over. I just want to, I point that out. I want people to hear that. And uh, uh, that this is a, yeah, like you said, you weren't, you didn't drop out of the sky a superhero. This is stuff that you've had to walk out day to day, inch by inch. And it's the hard road. That's that's the that's the unfortunate aspect of it too, is that it's really easy to give up. It's really easy to sit on the floor and to not do anything. It is a really difficult decision to get up off the floor and to take those painful steps forward. And it's a matter of, are you willing to do it? Are you willing to put in the work? Are you willing to struggle? And is it worth it to you? And for me, you know, I, I, I went the easy route for a very long time. But I just got so tired of that being the end of my story. It couldn't be the end of my story. It was just the beginning and I, I needed to see it as just the beginning and have a future ahead of me, not knowing where I was going necessarily, not knowing what I was going to do or what it was going to look like, but losing my hearing, losing my dream of being a music education major, whatever your loss is, is not the end of your story. It's, it's just one chapter. It's just one piece on a giant quilt of your life. Well, and again, I coming back to those pieces that we stitched together is so profound. When you mentioned the music education major, you wanted to become or on that road to become a music education major, music teacher. That was your dream. But again, in the book, just as you said a minute ago, this is the hard road. And I love that. And you even speak to that. This is not a Pollyanna message. And you said, you know, that was your dream and it 
died. Uh, from that, you yeah. say that you learned that no dream is immortal. And I think that was even the heading of the, the chapter. And I thought, you know, not a lot of inspirational books that I have read that give a heading that says no dream is immortal. And you stating, you know, mine died. Uh, but obviously there's an upside to that statement. I, I want you just to speak to that a little bit to somebody who's out there who's saying, no, I had a dream and it is dead. And they're having a hard time getting over that. Um, you didn't say, no, I revived the dream. I assume the story is, and you tell me now that uh, it became another dream. Yeah, I, I, well, I had made a serious mistake. I identified my entire being, my entire identity was wrapped into one singular dream. And when that dream died, and it really did, I mean, there was a funeral, I buried it, we moved on. Um, I, I died with it because I had told myself that I was incapable of anything else other than this. And that I was not worth anything other than this. And I, I let it swallow me completely. And I put that dream to rest. I, I'm not going to become a music educator. I am not going to be a music teacher teaching at a college um, with my own students and being able to listen and craft and create and change people's voices and things like that. That's gone. I'm never going to revive that. You know, like... We, we did the CPR and, and, and electroshocked as much as possible. That, that sucker is dead. It ain't coming back. But, you know, at the core of what I wanted to do, it was be involved with music. And so, boiling it down, I created a new dream. And at first, it wasn't necessarily that I, like, thought, you know what? I can't do this anymore. This is what I'm going to do from now on. It was just saying, okay that dream died. I don't know exactly what's going to happen next, but it's going to be something and I'm going to figure it out one step at a time. And, you know, I, I've crafted and created new dreams along the way. And now I have hundreds of them. I have hundreds and hundreds of dreams. We all have so many things that we're capable of doing and so many opportunities all the time that, it's impossible to to say that you can't do something amazing. You know, you, you can't. You have you have so many opportunities to just walk out your front door, and and a new day began. And and what are you going to do today? That is inspiring. And you just covered about three other questions I had. So thank you. I you know this. I'm interested in a statement that you made. And you said people who have survived and overcome catastrophic experiences always have one thing in common, a turning point, which to me conversely means that those who do not overcome that catastrophic experience, they did not or do not experience that turning point. So again, in your work now as a speaker, as an author, uh, in your work with no barriers and you're working with people who have a significant challenge they want to do something else, but do you find yourself trying to awaken them in essence or help bring them to what you believe they have to come to, which is you're going to have to come to a turning point experience for this to really turn around? I think that we do it for each other. You know, I am not a completely fixed person. I still have a lot of pain and a lot of things that I'm struggling with and a lot of, a lot of fear and a lot of demons that 
engulf my every day. And it's, it's boiling it down to being honest to say, hey, I'm struggling here. I'm going to be open and honest about it. And you're struggling here. And you're being open and honest about it. Let's talk to each other like real people, even though it's an awkward conversation. And let's push each other to, to not just give up. And I don't want to hold you accountable to it. And I want you to hold me accountable to it. So it's, it's not just, uh, let me, let me just tell you how to, to get better in three simple steps. You know, everybody's simple steps are very different. And I think it's just saying that pain is real and your pain is valid. And let's just be honest about what's going on. And just because it's messy and it's sticky and it's, it's horrible doesn't mean that I don't care and that I don't want to be there to watch you shine. You know, I, 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 I think that it's just getting past it, holding each other's hands, you know? Yes. And you, I, you said pain is real. And I, again, that's why I like the authenticity of your message and want you to speak to something in that, in the, in the pain is real arena that you talk about dream thieves and interestingly, and I wouldn't have guessed this, you tell stories of some of your own, um, detractors, I, I would say dream thieves, as you call them coming from the deaf community, which seems mind boggling instead of applauding you for what they, what you were doing in your deafness, they accused you of not embracing your deafness and the deaf culture. I mean, some of them did, uh, obviously the minority, but some people did. And it was obviously impacting, uh, to you. Talk about that because we hear that so often from people as they are trying to do things that sometimes the people closest to them even are their detractors, even if they don't mean to be, but they're not encouraging. They may give what they think is constructive criticism, but they're, they're getting criticism and how debilitating that is. I think the reality of that one and two, how to, again, how do, how do you overcome that? Because that. Again, when people close to us that know us are a detractor in a sense, a, a, a dream thief, it's a hard for a lot of people to overcome. Yeah, I, man, it, it's such a toughie. I think that for me personally, I mean, I've hit, I've hit this wall a lot of different times and I have found that the loudest voices sometimes are the smallest ones. Um, of course, with my experiences with the deaf community, I, I am embraced a lot by a lot of the deaf community. I have a lot of beautiful friends, ASL and learning to communicate. Like right now we're having a conversation and everything is being typed out by a beautiful person that I can't see through, you know, through my computer. But I have, I have very much embraced the fact that I can't hear and, and I love my life. And so everybody lives their life differently and the the criticism comes from people who are generally dealing with something in their own life you know a lot of the times it's because they can't get past a barrier or they're angry about something or you know i, I that's what i've i've found but i think i think the point of it is is that these voices are going to come and sometimes they come from the 
people that you want and trust the most and that makes it even more difficult but you have to assess what you're taking in and say you know what I got what you're saying but no and and take it out of of the equation of how you're going to keep going forward um, I, I never am going to allow a couple of people's angry letters um, about how I'm not embracing myself to deter me from singing. It is who I am, it is what I love, and getting out in front of people and, and, and singing and speaking and, and, and writing my book, it has helped me heal on myself, but it's also encouraging other people, and that is far more important to me than a silly death threat or somebody getting angry at me. You know, those voices, I can give them that power, I can give them that control, and I can make them loud. Or I can say, you know what? I'm not giving you that. I'm not giving you the satisfaction of allowing it to deter me. I'm not going to give you the power to shut me down. No, sorry. And I feel your, what I heard there is giving those folks grace, especially those close to you, but not giving what they say gravity. And that's, that's, right. a, that's, yeah, that's powerful. I also feel a little bit guilty now for talking too fast. Cause I did not know this was a human transcriber. I assumed it was just an automatic, you know, computerized thing. That's amazing that somebody is that, is that good? So to whoever's doing that right now, I'll try not to talk so fast. Sometimes I get on a roll there. So, uh, so on this piece too, and, and I really want to, I want to have a discussion with you because I had not thought about this. You talked about, again, I don't want to give a lot of, uh, a lot of attention to the negative folks here, but we do. So many people have detractors here. And when you got accused of exploiting your deafness, so I keyed in on that word exploit. So I'm a, I'm a logophile. I'm a lover of words. And the, the word exploit says to make full use of and derive benefit from. And when we look at that, look at our strengths, talents, giftings, and, and even, you know, weaknesses, ch challenges, of course, we would say, well, gosh, why wouldn't you exploit those? And so as I thought about that, I thought, you know, I, I wonder if the, the big issue is, is gimmick. Do people think, okay, she's using it as a, you know, as a gimmick. Okay. So I looked up that word too. You know, a gimmick is a trick or device intended to attract attention, publicity, or business. I thought that's, that's advertising 101 is every ad we see on the Super Bowl commercial generally has nothing to do with the actual product. It is intended to get us attention so that someone will partake of what we're doing. Once they do, then obviously it's going to pan out whether there's value in there and whether they will continue or not. So I'm thinking back to you now. So if the aspect of being deaf helped you get more attention, helped more people partake of you, they have done so now. And now you have a book deal. You have recording contracts. You have speaking engagements because there was, uh, what you did was a value and held water. And I thought, why why wouldn't we tout for everybody to please take whatever you've got, the good, bad, the ugly, and exploit it? Use it as a gimmick. Do what you have so that people will partake. Is this a, is this a thread of what you guys do with no barriers? 
I, you know, it's, it's kind of an interesting way to look at it. For me, I've never even thought about it that hard. You know, I, I just, I just am, you know, I, I didn't choose to lose my hearing it, but it is who I am. I, I am a profoundly deaf person and being a profoundly deaf person, I'm also a musician. I'm also a friend. I'm also this and this and that and that. I, I don't necessarily see it as a label that I'm wearing from day to day. It's just like in my mind, in my eyes, I'm a musician first and foremost, you know, and just because I have to do things a different way, um, it, it barely even crosses my mind. So it, I always kind of find it frustrating when people are like, well, you're just using your, your deafness to, to get farther ahead. And in my eyes, it's just like, I'm just singing, you know, I'm not the one who's chasing any of this kind of stuff. It's been quite bizarre. You know, I didn't start performing for the glory of limelight. I am an incredibly shy person, uh, or was before. I was the person who used to throw up when they had to get up and stand up and do a presentation, or cry, or pass out at the thought of having to sing in front of people. But my dream is to be involved with music, and this is the this is the path that I'm finding myself on and I'm just running. I don't, I don't care how it looks on paper. I just want to be involved with music. And I think that if you want to do something, just do it, you know, instead of letting your circumstance become your identity entirely. It's, it, it seems silly. It's like Eric climbs mountains he doesn't climb mountains because he's blind and he thinks that that's a cooler way to climb mountains or that that's a better way for him to be on Time Magazine. When he climbed Mount Everest, he wasn't thinking about Time Magazine. He was thinking about, I want to climb a mountain. Despite the fact that he can't see, that didn't even cross his mind. It was, I want to climb a mountain. This is the system that I need to create in order to get to the top of the mountain without killing myself and my team. Here we go. Let's climb a mountain together. You know, and the people that I meet at No Barriers are people who are individuals who are dealing with something in their life and they want to be a mother and they want to be, you know, a person who swims or they want to play lacrosse or, you know, it, it, it who, it's not necessarily the first thing on their thought, well, well, I can't do that because I don't have legs, or hmm, if I become a lacrosse player without any legs, I wonder how many news channels is going to find that interesting, you know? <laughs> they're, they're just wanting to play lacrosse, you know? Well, and this is, folks, I feel like we've hit on just some of the, the, the little highlights, but haven't gotten as deep. We could spend hours here. I mean, the book, Sensing the Rhythm, Finding My Voice in a World Without Sound, is is just profound. It is such an enjoyable read and, and obviously so inspiring. And I feel like you do have a unique way of looking at some of these personal development issues that we all deal with to differing levels. So I, I'll, I'll end by asking, what is, what's next in your sites? What, I know you've got 
got so much going on with, yeah, speaking and recording and, and books now. What is the thing, the, I'll say the, the project that's most uh, on your mind right now that you're excited about? Oh, gosh. Well, I mean, there's a couple of things. I'm really excited about, I have a fourth album of all original music that I'm working on that I'm really excited about. I've really been pushing myself the last couple of years to just pour out music, to, to write as much as possible, and to not be afraid of, you know, not having it be pretty. So I'm just dumping thoughts down on paper. I'm very much looking forward to the summer. I have an opportunity to go to Nepal and take a group of high school students um, hiking with with Eric and with a, a couple of other people and to show those kids that they are stronger than they think that they are and to kind of gear them up for the rest of their life of knowing that they can do amazing things. I, I want to be more involved with people with and without disabilities to overcome their own personal barriers, but also I'm really looking forward to getting involved with hopefully some change. I, I notice so much the need for things to be inclusive. You have 95% of all of the people in the media who are disabled on TV are portrayed by people who are not disabled. They're, they're being, you know, acted on instead of allowing people with those disabilities the chance to play the role honestly and earnestly. And that, that needs to change. Why is it so shocking when there's a commercial with a person in a wheelchair and it's like, oh, look at them. No, they're a person. This should be normal, you know. We shouldn't even see that differently. It should be beautiful. Why are concerts not being captioned or having interpreters or, you know, there, there should be so much more that we can do to include everybody and and sometimes it's the easiest and the most simple solution so i i want to get more involved with making a difference and, and coming up with some solutions that can make an impact for others well you you're talking right there about those with disabilities not being in movies it reminds me of a music uh, or a movie that i i love i actually own it called the music within uh, and uh, talks about the guy who actually founded the American Disability Act. Just a beautiful, beautiful movie that speaks to this so much. And and you talking about your album you're working on. So, folks, here's a here's a plug. And it's, this is not an ad for Spotify. I just use Spotify and love it. Uh, you can find Mandy Aww. all over there. And I'm sitting here scrolling through, and all of a sudden, highly disappointed that Christmas is over. And I just found out you have a Christmas album. So that'll be number one on my family's Christmas list next uh, season. Is the uh, Christmas with you. So uh, just uh, thank you for your gift, for sharing it with us and for doing what you do to inspire the true performance of so many people, Mandy, just uh, blessed by you. Thank you. Well, and thank you for having these podcasts where you guys can talk about things honestly and hopefully push people and encourage people on a daily basis. Thank you so much for what you do. Ah, uh, it's our honor. Ditto. 
So friends, I got to say, if you listened through this talk without smiling and then believing in more for yourself, I think you need to check your pulse. Hey, again, connect with Mandy at MandyHarveyMusic.com, where you can also, again, get her new book, Sensing the Rhythm, Finding My Voice in a World Without Sound. Well, coming up next in show 544, we go behind the scenes with Mandy to hear her daily habits for success following the seven spokes in the Ziggler Wheel of Life. Some interesting highlights highlights to battle her connective tissue disorder and resulting bad joints and ligaments. She must work out 60 minutes per day to keep her muscle on top. She travels so much right now. She's often only home four days a month, so she has to be ultra intentional in scheduling time with friends face-to-face or over video or phone. She works on her music 40 to 70 hours per week. Her faith is the most important thing in her life, but admits she's struggling with scheduling time amongst that that pace to be in her Bible and go to church. Uh, The pace, speaking of that, has often had her only sleeping four hours per night, which is not sustainable. She's really had to dig into time management. Personally, she loves fishing. She calls her family grocery fishermen down in Florida because they fish to eat. Uh, Again, just super, super inspirational. Thank you, as always, for joining me as we walk together, inspiring our true performance.